Romans chapter 6, and we'll start in verse 3. Let's see, we'll back up a little bit. But Okay, so remember we saw the, the before, where we are now in Romans. We saw the sin nature basically brought out for the first time in, in Scripture, uh, at least in the book of Romans. Uh, so now, and then of course the question was asked in the very beginning of chapter 6, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in the sin nature that grace may abound? God forbid, how shall we who are dead to the sin nature live any longer therein? That's what we studied last class. So now that we've learned that we are dead to the sin nature, now we're going to see how. Because it's one thing to know that you are, but we really need to know how. Right. If you, if, you, if you just know that you are, but you don't exactly know how, then you only have a part of the answer. And you need the whole picture in order to really get it. What we're going to begin to see is aspects of Calvary that you may have never seen before. I didn't know it until I learned it in Bible college and the Lord revealed it to me. Uh, I said this last class, I say it again. I can teach until I'm out of breath, <laughs> but if the Holy Spirit isn't moving and working and making it real to your heart and life personally and opening your eyes to it, then I'm wasting my time. So we just pray, and we're going to pray in a little bit, but we'll keep that in prayer, that the Lord would pray, that the Lord would give you revelation knowledge, that he would open your eyes to what the scripture is saying and what he is really saying. Uh, so whenever whenever I say the cross, I mean a whole lot more than just Jesus died for you and that the blood cleanses you from all your sins. There's a lot more that took place at Calvary. Mm -hmm. And when we get saved, we have it all, but we don't know what we have. So through the class, through this, we're going to see more of what we have. I'm excited. I've been excited all day. I've been excited since I studied it out. Verses 3 through 7, we we'll probably won't make it to 7, but that's okay. We'll read it anyway. It won't hurt us. Okay, Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 3. When you're there, say amen. amen. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he who is dead is freed from sin. Okay, so the, the heading for this, from, from verses 3 through 11, is what the believer must know. And that should be on your handout, I, I believe. What the believer must know. And that's verses 3 through 11. Verses 3 through 11. What the believer must know. So, uh, uh, starting in verse 3. Dad, go ahead. Know you not that so many of us were baptized unto Jesus Christ. The, uh, that know you not, and this will be a, this is on your handout. Know you not? The Greek word is there. That's uh, uh, on your handout. I'm not going to spell it or even attempt to say it, uh, but it is on your. It, I typed it up. 
Amen. Praise God. <laughs> I typed it up so you could see it. I do that for you guys to make it faster and also for my sanity, so I'm not trying to say a bunch of Greek words that I do not know. So, <laughs> know you not, the Greek word is there, and it means don't you know. So it says know you not, but it could say don't you know. And it means not to know through lack of information or intelligence. So Paul says, don't you know, or know you not, do you not know, either you don't know this because it's never been taught to you, or it has been taught to you, and you just either reject it, or you just didn't understand it. That's basically what Paul is kind of saying here. Don't you know, know you not. This verse tells us that this baptism is into Christ and not water. This is not water baptism. This is baptism into Christ. I have heard it uh, presented as water baptism, but that doesn't fit in the context of the scripture. Because water baptism will not free you from sin. Water baptism will not help you with your sin problem. Water baptism will not help you in sanctification. And that's what we are talking about. Sanctification. We just learned about the sin nature. Get it taking. I want to say it that way. Just being water baptized does not help you with the sin nature whatsoever. Yeah. Water baptism is simply an outward showing of what's taken place inwardly. Yeah. So water baptism is basically a type and a symbol of what we are about to learn. But water baptism, water baptism is not the substance. So this is not water baptism. This is baptism into Christ. Uh, I'm going to give you some, some scriptures. We're not going to read them. They would, it would just take a, a little while. Uh, actually, I am going to read them. I am going to flip to them as quickly as possible. So the first one is 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13 says, For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. So that's talking about baptism into Christ. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 through 29. Galatians chapter 3 verses 27 through 29 and it says for as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek there is neither bond nor free there is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus and if you be Christ then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. So baptism into Christ. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 5. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 5 says. One, uh, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. That's talking about baptism into Christ. And then this is probably one of my favorite books. Colossians. Chapter 2, verse 11 through 13. Colossians came one of my favorite books whenever I was in Bible college. 
ministered to me tremendously. Colossians chapter 2, verses 11 through 13. In whom also you are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands, in putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, buried with him in baptism, where also you are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God, who has raised him from the dead, and you being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, as he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Baptism into Christ. That's what we were talking about. Okay, uh, once again, on your handout, that word baptism in the Greek, uh, you can see it on your handout. And it, this is slightly different than the normal word for baptism. So the Greek word is, that they use right here, baptisma, is slightly different than the normal word for baptism, which is baptizo. B-A-P-T-I-Z-O. Baptisma, which is the word actually used here, is used in the classics of a smith who dips a piece of hot iron into water, tempering it. Also of Greek soldiers placing the points of their swords in a bowl of blood. It refers to the placing of a person or thing into a new environment or into union with something else so as to alter its condition or its relationship to its previous environment or condition. That's what's taking place with us. God placed us in a new environment or really into union with something else and that something else happens to be a man named Jesus. Amen. And it altered our condition and our relationship to the previous environment and condition. It refers to the act of God introducing a believing sinner into a vital union with Jesus Christ in order that the believer might have the power of his sinful nature broken and the divine nature implanted through his identification with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection, thus altering the condition and relationship of that sinner with regard to his previous state and environment, bringing him into a new environment, the kingdom of God. Uh, let's go to... Uh, Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 11, baptism is used in a literal sense, and then it's used in a figurative sense, all in the same verse. So it is used in a literal sense, and then a figurative sense. So in what we'll, we'll read it, we'll see it, and then we will look, at, we'll go back to, of course, Romans chapter 6, and then we'll see that what... It is in Romans. Okay, good talk. <laughs> okay, uh, Romans. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. But he who comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So we have first baptism used in a literal sense. I indeed, John the Baptist says, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance. Baptism used in a literal sense. I am literally baptizing you into water unto repentance. So that was a literal, that's baptism, the word baptism or baptize used in a literal sense. 
And then right after it, it's used in a figurative sense. But he, speaking of Christ, who comes after me is mightier than I, whose shoes I'm not worthy to bear. And this is where it's used in a figurative. He shall baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. So that's, a, that's bat, the word baptize and baptism used in a figurative sense. It's used in a figure of speech because it explains it better. That's really why the word baptism was used. The Holy Spirit chose that word, baptism, because it was used in a figure of speech. Because it was the best way to describe what took place. A ship that sinks to the bottom of the ocean can be said that the water is in the ship and the ship is in the water. So baptism speaks of union with Christ. Union with Christ. Uh, okay, so the next part. We're baptized into his death. Refers to God placing us in Christ when he died so that we might share his death and thus come into the benefits of that identification with him Namely, to be separated from the evil nature as part of the salvation he gives us when we believe. One of the things that, that was that in Scripture, in the Old Testament, in the sacrificial system, was the idea of identif identification. Whenever they had to offer a sacrifice, the, they would, this, the person who sinned and needed to offer the sacrifice would bring the lamb or whatever it was. To be sacrificed and what they had to do was they had to place their hand on the head of the animal and that was used as a form of identification you need to identify with that animal in Hebrews in the book of Hebrews it talks about uh, to move uh, to move basically to go beyond uh, the laying on of hands that's not that's not that, that's not speaking of just lay your hands on somebody and pray for them. That's talking about identification with the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. it, it's it, that you know where that passage is that we can go in Hebrews six. Really, was a, a transfer of his sin to the sacrifice, right? And that was the, because because you identified with right. that sacrifice that that sacrifice is taking my place. Just like. When Jesus went to the cross, we were baptized into him. He took that sin and placed it on the cross. Right. Am right. I right or wrong? No, that's that's right. He he took our sin right. upon himself. That's he right. was a sin sacrifice for right. us. And through identification with Christ, he takes my sinfulness, the curse that was meant for me, and he takes it upon himself. Did you find it? Yeah. Okay, go ahead and read. Go ahead and read. Uh, therefore, leaving the principles uh, of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptisms, laying on of hands, and resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. So that when it says laying on of the hands, because remember the whole book of Hebrews is about going back to the old. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
So the laying on of hands isn't the way that we think of laying on of hands. We think laying on of hands, you know, we're going to go up to the front. The pastor's going to be the elders of the church. They're going to lay their hands on us. They're going to pray, praise God. But the whole context of the book of Hebrews isn't that. The whole context of the book of Hebrews is leaving the, the new covenant to go back to the old covenant. That's what they, that's what you don't do. Do not, do not go back to the old because the new is way better than the old. So they would have known, a Jew would have known what that meant. That meant laying on of hands onto the sacrifice, the animal that's going to take my place. So identification. Okay, that, okay. Uh, Mind if I, I, if I read uh, a little bit of the, the where it says in the beginning, the notes there? Oh, yeah, you can. Okay. So, therefore, I'm going to read the scripture in, in the notes here, and I think that really expressed the whole idea here. Leaving the principles uh, of the doctrine of Christ speaks of the first principles, which refers to the Old Testament uh, Christ as the centerpiece of the entirety of the Bible. Let us go on to perfection, speaks of the New Testament sacrifice, the Lord Jesus, and the, uh, and the, and the testament he inaugurated with his work on the cross. Uh, basically going on to his sacrifice and not having to, yeah. And then, uh, and not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead work refers to these Jewish Christians going back to the old sacrificial system. And then it says, and faith toward God refers to faith toward God in the realm of the Old Testament way, which God will uh, not accept now as much that Jesus has fulfilled the Old Testament law. So it's not an idea that somehow the Old Testament was bad and then God had a better idea. It's that everything in the Old Testament pointed to Christ. Christ fulfilled it. Why go back to the types whenever he is the fulfillment and the substance? And that was the idea. When we were then placed in a new environment, Christ being that environment, the old one was the first Adam, in whom, as our federal head, we were made sinners and came under condemnation. In our new environment in Christ, we have righteousness and life. Whenever the sinner has faith, in what Christ did at Calvary, in effect, the Father proclaims that sinner in Christ at the time of the death of the Son of God. And in the mind of God, when Jesus paid the price, it was the same as the sinner paying the price. Although, in fact, it was no, there was no way for him to pay such except through Christ. What Jesus did is awarded to the believing sinner. The sin debt was completely paid by the blood of Jesus, poured out at Calvary, which meant that Satan has no more claim over the sinner, such claim being broken because the sin debt was once and for all and forever paid. So baptism into Christ is crucially important to understand that we are in him. <clears throat> we are in Christ Jesus right now. We're in him. And when you said yes to the Lord, you said yes to Jesus, you didn't know it, but God placed you in his son. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That in the way that God sees it, I, I, in my notes it says in the mind of God, 
But I'll tell you right now, it is a spiritual reality. If we could actually see it, we would be blown away. It's not just in the mind of God. It's a spiritual reality. You are in Him. You are in Christ Jesus right now. What Christ is, you are. Where Christ is, you are. He's seated at the right hand of the Father, already in a glorified state. That's how God sees you right now. Now, you can, you can think about everything, all your faults and your failures, and they're there for each one of us. You can, you can meditate on that, and you can let that have control of your mind, or you can think about how you're in Him right now. And Jesus is perfectly righteous, never failing one time, and He's in a glorified state right now, and that's how God sees you. Right now, that's our position. But if we, if, we don't, if we don't understand baptism into Christ, then through the sanctification process, you'll be miserable. And you'll be ready to give up. And it's through, it's through baptism into Christ, you receive justification, but we get a whole lot more than that. In our union with Christ, the problem is, most of it isn't taught to us. So as believers, we get the first part, salvation, that our sins are forgiven and cleansed, but then when it comes to the other things that were accomplished at the cross, we have no idea about it. We have no idea about it. So we try to live this Christian life only knowing like this, this much of what God has done for us at Calvary. And the other part that isn't really taught is the one thing that we need more than anything else. How to live for God on a daily basis. How to live free from sin on a daily basis. That's our whole Christian life. <laughs> that salvation, the moment we get saved, that's bang. And then our whole Christian life after that is living for God. Having victory over sin. And if this, if it's not taught the right way, then you have believers dominated by sin and they can't live victorious. So, so we reach out for everything else under the sun to try to find victory because the, a, a true born again believer wants to live right. That's, that's the desire of our hearts. We want to live right. We want to live for God. We want righteousness realized in our hearts and lives on a daily basis. We don't want to fail. But if you're never taught what you have in Christ, guess what we do? We fail left and right. We're dominated by the sin nature because we've either never we've never heard about it. It hasn't been taught to us. And we just do our best to live for God and our best... To be, can I just be blunt and honest? Our best is garbage. If you're not operating through faith and grace, then you're operating by law. There's no other way to go but law. If it's not faith and grace in what Christ has done for us, 
then you there's no other place to go but law. Either law or license. Hyper grace is one of the new hyper grace. It just, you don't even have to confess your sins. Yeah. I have a question. Yes. Well, it's within my mind. At the salvation experience, you repent. He receives, he takes all that sin, every, all that garbage behind him. He doesn't leave you just empty. When does the Holy Spirit enter in? Well, exactly. Right, yeah, right away, right, right away, when you say yes to Jesus, the, this, the sin nature, disconnected from the sin nature, and God gives you the divine nature. That's you do receive the Holy Spirit. Then it's not the baptism of the Holy no, Spirit, no, but it's separate. the indwelling Spirit. The divine nature is the best way to say it's the divine. It is the Spirit of God That's the on church. the inside of you. And the fact that the fact that you want to live for God and you don't want to sin is evidence that you have the Spirit of God living on the inside of you. Otherwise, you, you, before you got saved, you didn't have the Spirit of God in your heart and life. You just live, you did whatever you want. Didn't even, hey, but didn't even think two seconds about God. Didn't want to live for God. There may have been certain sins that I didn't do because either I was afraid. There's a lot of stuff I didn't do before I got saved. Not because I loved God, but because I was a chicken. Okay. I was scared to death. That, that was just me. And, and you know what? That was probably the Lord. He had his hand on my life before mm -hmm. I said yes to him. I was scared to death. I was I, didn't, I was scared to take the trash out at, at night. I was so scared. My, I had friends that got into drugs, and I didn't even I didn't even get that far into drugs because I was so scared. Not to get in trouble. I, not to get in trouble. I was not scared to get in trouble. I mean, maybe a little bit. But from my mom, not my dad. <laughs> I, was, I wasn't. I, it wasn't so much that though that did that stopped me from doing it. It was the fact that I, I didn't, I, I didn't know what would happen. Afraid of dying. Afraid of what it would make me feel like. That was that was the biggest thing. I didn't steal. Why? I was afraid to get in trouble. Now there, I was afraid to get in trouble. <laughs> but so, the, I just didn't, some things I didn't, I was just afraid. But I had no thoughts about God. I didn't have the divine nature on the inside of me. My life was totally wrapped up in me and sin. And there were certain sins that I was not scared. And I wasn't afraid to get in trouble. And I just dove right on in. But yeah, you do receive when you when you get saved, bang, right then. The sin nature is separate, you're separated from the sin nature, and you receive the indwelling spirit of God. But that's not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. No. I can't even express how important it is to understand that we are in Christ and that through that the benefits are brought to us through being in Christ and the cross. Okay, let's just, as we move on, we'll probably see this over explained. Verse 4. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death. When Jesus died on Calvary, 
and was placed in the tomb, a form of burial. In effect, the believing sinner died with him and was buried with him. So we were baptized into Christ. And then when Christ was crucified on the cross, you were crucified on the cross. We died in Christ. When Christ was crucified, we were crucified. When Christ was buried, we were buried. Because remember, we're in Him. Because we're in Christ, what happens to Him happens to us. When Christ is crucified, you were crucified because you are in Him. When He was buried, you were buried because you are in Him. The entire purpose for Calvary was that Jesus would take our place, die, and be buried in our stead with simple faith in Him, awarding the believer what Jesus did. The only way to receive the benefits of what Jesus did is by faith. There is no other way. Uh, Dad, next. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Presents the resurrection, which in effect validated what was done at Calvary. If Jesus would have not been raised from the dead, it would have meant that what Jesus did was not enough. And Satan would still have the keys to death, hell, and the grave, also the souls of men. If Jesus would not have been resurrected from the dead, then it means that the work of Calvary was not enough. And the truth is, we're all lost and still dead in sins and trespasses. But praise God, He lives. Yes. He is resurrected from the dead. Yes. Concerns that uh, even so, we also should walk in newness of life. Concerns the believer not only dying and being buried with Christ, but as well resurrected with Him. And not that only, even as grand as that should be, but in newness of life. Right. We were not only placed in Christ by God, the Holy Spirit, in order that we might share his death and thus be separated from the evil nature. We were also placed in him in order that we might share his resurrection and thus have divine life imparted to us. The newness of life refers not to a new kind of life the believer is to live, but to a new source of power imparted to him by God by which he is enabled to live the life to which Paul exhorts in Romans chapters 12 through 16. If you read Romans chapter 12 through 16 and you don't properly understand Romans chapter 5, 6, 7, and 8, You'll be trying to do something that is not possible. Because you won't know the power source that you need to accomplish that. What's written in 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. In this, in this sixth chapter, the key word is mechanics. One might say of the Holy, uh, of the Spirit-filled life. The mechanics of the Spirit-filled life is really what Romans chapter 6 brings out. That word walk, that word walk, uh, I'm not going to try to say that, uh, means to order one's behavior to conduct oneself. 
The word should, it, it, it uh, says, even so we should walk in newness of life. The word should is a, it, it is a correct translation. However, what Paul was getting across was that we shall. The word should and shall give it a different feel. Uh, should just simply means it would be a, you know, like, yeah, it's a good idea. If it, but shall means it has to happen. The better translation would be, even so, we also walk in newness of life. In other words, even as the sinner once walked in the oldness of death brought on by Adam, the believer now walks in the newness of life brought on by Jesus Christ. Here we have the twofold results of the major surgical operation God performs in the inner being of the sinner when he placed his faith in the Savior. Uh, this is on your handout. Uh, you can, it, it can be referred to the circumcision made without hands. So that should remind you of what we read in Colossians. Circumcision made without hands. He is disengaged from the evil nature, separated from it, no longer compelled to obey it. He has imparted to him the divine nature, 2 Peter uh, chapter 1, verse 4, which becomes in him the new source of ethical, moral, and spiritual life, which causes him to hate sin and love righteousness, and which gives him both the desire and the power to do God's will. We now have a new, cre a new creature in Christ Jesus. Paul speaks of this in Philippians chapter 2, verse 12 through 13. Before salvation, the will of man was not free so far as choosing between good and evil was concerned. We were enslaved to the evil nature. Once saved, the Christian's will has been made absolutely free. It is not so much as saying no to sin, but rather to say yes to Jesus and what he's done at Calvary. Paul has answered the question, shall we as a habit of life continue to sustain the same relationship to the evil nature that we sustained before salvation by showing that it is literally impossible. The power of the sin nature has been broken and therefore the Christian is not compelled to sin. The divine nature is imparted and the Christian does not want to sin. Calvary is not a mere once, quotations around once, situation but figures prominently in our everyday walk before God and will continue to do so until the trump sounds. A lot of people think that Calvary is a one-time thing. When you get saved, you go to Calvary to get saved, and after that, the cross really doesn't play a part in your everyday life. That person is a fool. And that person will be dominated by the sin nature because it's through the cross that you freed them from the sin nature. But if you don't know that, then you think that the cross is all about Christ dying for you and that his blood is shed, which is it, it's totally true. But that's only a part. That's only one part of Calvary. And the part that most don't know is the rest of it. How it plays into our everyday life. God, God doesn't desire... That we be dominated by sin. He, he wants us to live righteous lives. And he's provided everything that we need. In, I think it's in Peter. It says, 
Yeah, uh, this is probably a paraphrase, but <laughs> it says that basically he's provided everything that we need for life and godliness. Guess where he provided that at? Calvary. Yeah. Right. Everything that we need for life and godliness, he has provided through Jesus Christ at the cross. We have believers all over the world, and, and I, I, don't, I don't mean this to. There's no, there are no, there is no less Christians in the kingdom of heaven. Do we? Can we? Do we all understand that? Just because someone doesn't know the message of the cross does not make them less of a believer. It makes them dominated by sin, and it's sad to see. But it doesn't mean that they are not saved, and it doesn't mean that they are less in the kingdom of heaven. If someone claims to know the message of the cross and they think that someone that doesn't know it is less than they don't know the message of the cross. That's correct. That's not, as my dad said, that's not faith that works. That's pride. Well, because I know the message of the cross and that poor individual doesn't. That's foolish. Because God views that saved individual just as much in Christ as you are. They just don't know what they have. Now the problem that you run into is if a believer who is truly saved rejects the message of the cross for sanctification. That everything that Christ has done, what is needed... For, for your sanctification at the cross of Calvary, if that's rejected, then that's that, that you, they're going to find a problem. God's going to turn them over to be dominated by the sin nature out of love. He does that out of love. That doesn't seem like love to us because their life is going to spin out of control and they're going to go down like a plane. I mean, fast. And it's going to look bad. And when they crash, it will be ugly. They'll hit the very bottom. But God allows it, not because He hates them, because He loves them. He loves them so much that He knows that sin steals, kills, and destroys. And He has the way to live victorious. But if you continue to reject it, then he has to, he, he has to, he has no other choice because he can't change the way that he operates. He has to let sin dominate because God is just and righteous and he does not change. And if he sets something up to work a certain way, he will not change it. There will be, there are no exceptions with God. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love somebody. But a lot of times when, when someone learns the message of the cross, the, the next thing that happens is pride. Well, I know how to live for God. They look at they're doing all kinds of stuff. You, you, you'd be doing the same thing if God didn't reveal it to you. Amen. And even though it's revealed to you, it isn't. It, we, we're not tiptoeing through the tulips. Okay, it's going to give, the truth is, 
When you're actually walking in the ways of God, get ready. If you're if you are if you're following the let's just be can we just we'll just be honest. A lot of times we look at people that say they're Christians and they basically don't have much fruit in their lives. They're just a Christian on Sunday when they go to church, and then on Wednesday if they go, but really throughout the week. And it seems like nothing bad is happening in their life. But then you show me a Christian who loves the Lord. And who is, a, who is a Christian Sunday to Sunday? Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Th- it is that they are. They're saved and they are following God with everything that they have. And if they understand the message of the cross and they're walking in faith and grace every day. That, that person, you look at their life and it seems like. Everything falls apart. It's like every what can go wrong goes wrong. <laughs> I, that, I mean, we're, I, it's, we're just gonna have to be honest. You know why? Because you have a target on your back now. <laughs> because you're walking the right way, so you have the fool, the 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 world, the flesh, and the devil are chasing you down to get you off of the right path. Don't, don't, uh, what is this, Peter? Peter said, don't be surprised at the fiery trial that tries your faith. If you're truly walking faith and grace and in the message of the cross, uh, what happened? Because we're in Him and everything that happens to Christ is going to happen to us. Last time I checked, He was despised, rejected, Crucified. Yes. Hated. And hated more by the religious people than the world. By the unsaved. He was hated more by those that were religious than those that were unsaved. Get ready. Praise God, the message of the cross. Get ready to also be despised, rejected by your brethren. By those that used to walk, 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 walk right alongside of you. But when you start to operate in faith and grace, and you start to say, well, wait a minute, that's not right. Well, but that's not right. Yeah, but that, that you can't live free from sin that way. It's by faith in what Christ has done. Get ready. There, things will be. It's like they just make up stuff. Well, <laughs> and it it it, to, it happens to Paul. Well, Paul just preaches grace that you can live whatever way you want. No, no, no. Paul didn't preach that. You're just twisting it because because what Paul preached was faith and grace, and that. Fights against your belief in the law and how to live for God. So, well, Paul, Paul's just—it's ridiculous. And then, because what happens is when 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 you actually operate scripturally, then it's you're just going to get it from every side. It seems like. 
Now that, that's not to say that there's no joy. Oh, you that's, have that's the thing. That's the difference. Is that you might be there might be more persecution. There yeah. might be something that you have to face, and it might take you aback right away. But one of the things that happens is you quickly find out that wait a minute, I'm, I'm getting, I'm having things happen to me. <laughs> You know, that didn't happen before, it feels like, but I'm handling it better now than I did before. There's something that's carrying me through. There's a joy right in the middle of my storm that I didn't have before. Right. There's a peace that I didn't have before. And it's like, mm -hmm. and the reason is, is you know, because it said, it said that, uh, what, in that verse, even so, we should also walk in newness of life. And that word life there, and, and you didn't have it in your note there, but that word life is... Zoe, which is God, the life that God has. It's not just life in the sense, there's another word in the Greek that's life in general, just existence. But God doesn't just give us existence, He gives us His life. Life as He knows it. And that's really yeah. pretty powerful. You know, life as He knows it. Yeah. Uh, his eternal life is the idea. And in him, there is no fear. There is no anxiety. There is no, and so when we operate in his life, and that, and that, or, and that operates in us, we actually are able to, as we trust in him, to walk through a trial with almost giddy. <laughs> and people look at us like, and people can look at you like, what in the world? How come you're not falling apart? Yeah. Why, you know, and what a witness. Yeah. What a witness to be able to share with them and tell them, well, I'll tell you why. That the, 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 Make sure you don't go, well, you know, I've just learned, you know, uh, and, 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 and disciplined myself to stop, stop telling the truth. I have Christ. <laughs> Tell the truth. Because <laughs> the temptation will be to go, well, you know, I've learned how to manage things. No, 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 no. As soon as you start going that route, what's going to happen? Yeah, you're going to bust your face. Fall into anxiety. Really, that's not good. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory because you know he's in control and taking care of it. Yeah. It's it, the, uh, sometimes uh, one of my professors, he said, he said that the, the, this, the enemy throws fiery darts. And those can come in a lot of different yes. ways, fiery darts. But when you are walking in the grace of God daily, the, it, it, it's, he is, Jesus is your habitation. Yes. He is your, he, he is a shield about you. Yes. Just around, just a shield That's that right. when the fiery dart yes. comes, it just fizzes out. It's like you don't even know. Like, hey. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> I went through a, a, one of the hardest times. I've shared this. I don't know how many times. In Bible college, it was a hard time. But I was so, I was so honestly, <laughs> I look back at it, and I'm like, God, it was grace. My goodness, grace. It was miserable. In the middle of it. Yeah. Situation, circumstance, I had nowhere to go, nowhere to run. There was no, I couldn't do anything but look to Jesus. Yeah. Glory. Yeah. And you know what I found? I found joy unspeakable and full of good. Yeah. And even though every single day it was like an onslaught, yeah. 
I was so wrapped up in the new covenant. I was so wrapped up in what I had in Jesus. I didn't even care. Somebody broke my window of my truck when I was in that They busted my window. I got to pay for that something, man. I got to replace that window. I'm in Bible college. I'm not. I'm barely working if it, for the most of the part, God, the Lord told me, don't work, which was miserable for me because I, I work. That's what I was taught. I was raised that you work and you work hard. So when the Lord said, don't work, I, that was a trial in itself. Yeah, yeah. Don't work. What do you mean? What, you want me to just sit around? <laughs> which it wasn't sit around. It was pour into the word of God and study. But God, just, that was that was miserable for me. I was taught to work by my papa. <laughs> Which is another level of work. <laughs> That's what it was poured into me. So to not work to me was like, whoa, 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 wait, 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 what do you mean, don't? What do you mean, Lord, don't work? I, I don't even know another way to operate. But it was through that time that I learned how sinful I really was. That the sin nature is real. It does exist. It is inside of me. I need no help to sin. It's not my circumstances or situations. It's not my environment around me that is the cause. It's just simply me. I don't need any. I do not need any help to sin. No, no. I don't need any. Put me. Put I, me and Sarah were talking about this the other day. Put me in a in a in a room. Just a padded room. Just no no. Just me in the room, and I, I'll make up ways to sin. If I'm not, if I'm not, if I'm not walking, if I'm not walking according to the man, I'll make a way to sin. I don't need any help. It's it's from within. He, he told he told the Jesus told the Pharisees, it's not outward. It, it comes from within. You can clean the outside all you want, but it's come from within. Well, the sin nature is from within. You don't need any help. Do you ever stop and just go what? I was oh, like, what you're thinking? I, oh, oh, man, I was, honestly, it was embarrassing. <laughs> it was embarrassing. So it was like, what is wrong with you, bro? You, you're, you're in Bible college. What? Okay, anyway, so it was horrible. But that, anyway, the, the point was is that not working for me was, was really hard. And now it does a lot of my... What was that? I lost my train of thought. You started off talking about your busted glass. Oh, my busted glass. Man, I was so... So I didn't have... Obviously, I'm not working, so I obviously don't have... Money. Yeah. Poor. That was me. <laughs> no money. Now my glass is busted. I gotta pay for that. But I was so wrapped up in what the Lord... What I had in Christ... My Lord, we had chapel service that day, and they sang about the joy of the Lord. <laughs> mm. Glory. My window was busted. On top of that, it started to rain. <laughs> so, uh, hello, I I'm in class. What am I gonna do? It's raining. My window's busted. Water's getting in. We get to chapel service. 
I got to pay for that. Now it's wet too. So hey, that's, and I'm I'm very care. I take care of my vehicles and everything. I'm very like OCD ish. So I'm on the inside. I'm like, what the heck? I want to. This is crazy. But I was so wrapped up in what I had in Christ, and they sang about the joy of the Lord in chapel. Mm. And really, we didn't even preach. The, the, the song literally sang that song the whole chapel service. The Spirit of God moved in such a mighty way that we did there was no preaching. It was we sang, I feel the joy of the Lord falling fresh on me. I feel the joy of the Lord delivering me. You needed it. Mm. Yes. I, I, in time of need. Well, I was sitting there so composed, very composed at first. <clears throat> And just just singing that song, just praising God. I feel the joy of the Lord falling fresh on me. I feel the joy of the Lord delivering me. And for whatever reason, I can't even think of all the other words of the song. But all of it, it was built. It was building and building and building. Because I'm already up. I was already. I'm walking in the grace of God all throughout the day because I'm totally fixed on what I had in Christ. And that was just my sole focus. And yeah, okay, the window is busted, man. What am I going to do? <laughs> Praise God for what I had in Christ. I, I didn't even forget the window. Forget the window. You know what I have in Christ? <laughs> my Lord. What? Bust all the windows. And you can't take what I have in Christ. Amen. My Lord, thank you, Jesus. And I'm thank you, Jesus, for what you've done for me at Calvary. Hmm. Well, what about your window? What about the dumb window? It's a piece of glass. I feel the joy of the Lord falling fresh on me. I feel the joy of the Lord delivering me. I, let me, I took off running. I'm not even I mean, I took off running like a bottle rocket. Just, I was gone. I couldn't, I couldn't hold it. And at first, it was just, man, brave God. And then... It just kept on and kept on and kept on. And actually, Naya, Naya, who, Naya and Angie are going to be coming, uh, I think, later on this month uh, to preach. And Naya was singing that she was, she was up on stage. And, and later on, she said, I could see it. On, it was building on you. I could see it. And she said, I just knew. These going to explode. It's not going to And I was gone. So fast. I mean, I'm, gone. I'm running around the chapel room. Just the Spirit of God. Hit me. Forget that dumb window. My Lord. Thank you, Jesus. The joy of the Lord. And I was gone. I ran over a chair. I hurt myself. I, I, I took the first corner and I was good. The second one, too sharp. Hit the chair. Busted my face. I, my leg hurt so bad for three weeks. My, the Spirit of God was so strong, though. I hit that chair, bounced back up, and was gone. <laughs> like it didn't even phase me. And I, I, must, I don't even know, I can't even tell you how many laps I took around the chapel service room. My, I was gone, feeling it. Praise God. You know what happened? I, I had the joy of the Lord. Was everything great in my life? Heck no. It was not. Okay, Bible college, I was in wilderness experience Bible college. 
On the outside, I, didn't, I felt like I had nothing to look, nothing that looked good on the outside. No job, no money, my windows busted. I'm 26, 4, whatever I was at that time, 26, 25, not married, I'm a loser. <laughs> Here I am, all my friends back home, my old friends, they all have careers and everything. I went to two years of electrical school. Here I am, 25, I'm in Bible college. My life is passing me by. <laughs> Just be real. Be real. Be real. We have to be real. This is all the things going on in my, in my brain. Dude, you are a loser. And on top of that, this Bible college isn't even accredited. What are you doing here? If you, you get this degree and it ain't meaning nothing. I got much more than any stupid piece of paper can ever get. Right, Lord. What does your heart say? I felt the joy of the Lord falling fresh on me. And not just that day. Every day. No matter what happens. My, I pray, I pray that a Job experience never comes upon me. I pray that. I love that. That was insane. <laughs> I pray that that doesn't happen. But you know what I learned in Bible college? My He is enough for me. Right. Jesus is enough for me. Take everything and I'll still serve you, Lord. Because I learned that even if I lose everything in this life, and it will all pass away anyways. What you cannot take from me it's Jesus, my salvation, and what I have because of Calvary. Bust my window. Steal my vehicle. Well, it, yeah, it would stink. I mean, I'm not super, we're not super Christians. I'm going to feel it still. Use the law and pay, pay for the insurance. <laughs> we still feel, it doesn't mean that we don't feel it. We still feel the trial. But I get to where I'm when you're fi When you're fixed on the Lord, you might still feel a little bit, but my Lord, you feel a whole lot more of His grace and His Spirit than you do the flames. He never promised that the cross would not get heaven. And that you would not be hard to climb. He never offered a victory without fighting. But he said, Help would always come in time. So just remember when you're standing in the valley of decision and the adversary says give in. Just hold on. My Lord will show up and He will take you through the fire ahead. He never promised 
that the cross would not be heavy and the year would not be hard to climb. He never offered our victories without fighting, but he said hell would always help in time. So just remember when you're standing in the valley of decisions and the adversary he says give in just hold on my Lord will show us our Lord will show us and he will take you through the fire again my Lord, He shielded me from the flames. Hallelujah. My Lord, and the only thing that burnt off was the thing that held me in bondage. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. I will rejoice in my trials and in my fire. In my struggles, my weaknesses, and my temptations, I will rejoice. Because on the other side is freedom and everlasting life. An everlasting life. Hallelujah. We are obviously not going to go into the book of Romans. Thank you, Jesus. Mm. Is it? Is it? Uh, I'm a little tired of the devil's games, keeping me in bondage from my sorrows and shames. I deserve better. I won't go another day. I'm here to claim deliverance in Jesus' name. I feel the joy of the Lord falling fresh on me. I feel the joy of the Lord delivering me. I feel the joy of the Holy Ghost all over me. Now I have royal blood flowing through my veins. I'm a child of the King. I've been buried in His name. There is no devil that can come against me. I've been bought. I've been blessed. And I've been set free. I've been loosed. I've been set free. So pardon me a moment while I have a jubilee. <laughs> yes, Lord, the Holy Ghost is all over me. That's what I had. Well, I had. Well, I had a jubilee moment. You were on In the Old Testament, it talked about the year of jubilee. I think that was every 50 years. Every 70 years, they had a year of jubilee to come up the Israel as a whole, the nation. Every 70 years, they had a year of jubilee. My Lord, let me tell you the fulfillment of the year of jubilee. His name is Jesus. Yes. And you don't have it's not just it's not just every seventy years a year of jubilee. No, 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 no. Every day is a day of jubilee. Every year is a year of jubilee in Christ.
Christ. Yes. And I had a part of me while I had my Jubilee. And I was gone. Hallelujah. Took off running. I bet that was awesome. Took that chair out. <laughs> <laughs> Up. One of my friends said it didn't even look like I hit the ground, but I did. I'm temp- my knee told me you hit the ground. <laughs> and I ran, and I ran, and you know what happened? That incident, that circumstance and situation, it instilled my joy. And on top of that, you know what the Lord did? He provided the payment for that window. I didn't pay for that window. All that worry was wasted. If I would worry, it would have been. He's going to take care of it. You know why? Because I was in his will. Right. If you're in his will, he's going to take care of you. Now, if you're out of his will. <laughs> but we're not talking about that. Praise God. Amen. Amen. 